You're listening to The Deranged Nation, a true crime podcast featuring New York Times bestselling paranormal romance author and your host, Teresa Gableman. And we are back with Deranged Nation, finally. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) We're a little loopy. (laughs) We have kind of, well... Summer, gardens, chickens, motocross, COVID, COVID, (laughs) back to work, all kinds of crazy stuff's been happening, so. Yep, we're back with another. Took us a while. Looking for properties. Looking for properties, just all kinds of crazy stuff, but we are back and we got a good one for you. Um, We did want to go over... Maddie Bell, we kind of touched a little bit on her when we did the last one. How long ago was that? It's been it's been, it's been a, a couple months, guys. A month. Bear with us now. You know you guys have hardships too. <laughs> exactly. We're really at hardships. No, but you know what I mean, yeah. dude. This COVID is a hardship. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a hardship for everybody. It has. But um, Maddie Bell was uh, 18. Had just turned 18. She, we kind of went, we didn't, it wasn't the case that we did, but she was missing at the time. Um, everybody was out <coughs> looking for her. Well, she was found. She fucking faked it. She didn't fake it, dude. She just had a mom, a controlling mom. Yeah. And her living boyfriend from when she was young. <laughs> and I uh, don't know who's. was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do what? Him. Oh. He's hey. ate up. He is ate up. But, um. So she just ended up wanting to change her life and took off and left. So there's a lot of controversy around that. Some people are like pro Maddie, and then there's other people that are like she should have to pay for all the police. And she fucking faked it. <laughs> what? Why? I don't know. I'm just being critical. Oh, you're just being critical. <clears throat> Here we go. I really don't remember. Once I heard that she kind of was like fine and knew she ran away and they did all that and it was like i don't know i don't know i just questioned the motives and who was in on what and yeah i mean she was 18 years old i mean and she's like well i didn't know everybody was looking well you don't think your parents are going to be looking for you i mean i think you're a little you know smarter than that i mean the best thing she could have done she is 18 there's nothing they could have really done she could have just said i'm leaving she just could have said i'm gone and you know and really your personal choices are your personal choices though yeah so but anyway she's safe um she actually they did the car that they seen and the dude that they seen was actually who she had met online and that's who she left with so and it's working out so far yeah supposedly um, so whatever so that was that was that <coughs> but this uh this episode is episode 14 and it's the next door stalker and this guy now th- this one is not a whodunit we know who did it yeah <laughs> and there's like nobody else this guy's kind of one of the things the police said is um about this guy he was a serial killer in the making right but he wasn't smart enough and didn't get away with it and you guys will see what we're talking about yeah yeah because i probably know the least out of the three about this i didn't i didn't get to watch much but from the little bit i did watch like he's kind of a dork yeah well yeah 
So we'll we'll a start. Sick fucking dork. Yeah, but. he is. So we'll we'll start out with uh, Lauren. Her name is Lauren Teresa Giddings. She was a 27 year old blonde. She was. I thought she was gorgeous. Yeah, she, she was. She's very pretty, smart. She was a native of Laurel, Maryland. She was known by her friends and family and classmates as athletic, cheerful, outgoing, and social. She had ambitions of putting her law degree to good use um, in her new career as a lawyer in the nearby city of Atlanta. After her graduation, all that remained in her way was the Georgia bar exam. And, I mean, smart. Yeah. Geez, you know, to go through something like that at her age, you know. 27 that's that's pretty young but um her plans like many um of the other graduating students in her class were to stay in macon in order to study the for the bar exam throughout the months of may and june uh she had a study boyfriend he was a corporate lawyer in atlanta named david vander freer i think that's how you say his last name um he and lauren had been together since 2007 when Laura accepted an internship as a project assistant at the law firm office where David worked in downtown Atlanta. Um, you know, she, I think he was actually a lot older than her, too. Yeah. From I what I read. I saying something about like 20 years. years. Yeah. 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 But, um... Sometimes your soul doesn't match your body, I guess. But Laura never knew it. She And, unfortunately, <coughs> she never found out. But Dave, David was planning on to propose to her after graduation on a surprise trip to the Bermuda um, later that fall. So that's really sad. Yeah. That, you know. So in comes Stephen Mark McDaniel. Um, this guy was 25 years old. Uh, he grew up in Atlanta. Um, he actually lived lived next door to her in an apartment or, building. Yeah, yeah it, it was like right across from the university. Um, he was also a law student. Yeah, he was also a law student. He was known on campus uh, by everybody that they talked, you know, talked to. Kind of an odd character, um, antisocial, withdrawn, a uh, little eccentric in his behavior and inter- interactions with others. He was quirky, but according to those who knew him, he was also very smart. Um, his second floor apartment was a place of a retreat for him. Um, he was a, pretty much a loner, and he stayed inside most of the time playing video games, pornography, which they found a lot of. Um, he also had guns and swords. Um, he was a prepper. Uh, collecting food and staples in a way a survivalist might. Uh, empty containers he saved for some reason. I don't know. That was kind of weird. Um, mm, yeah. Soda bottles, large plastic jugs. This is all the stuff that they found in his apartment. And even the cardboard centers of toilet paper rolls. They had a lot of those, too. I was mm-hmm. confused as to what you would use those for. He had, like... A whole giant table full of them. Yeah, and he made sure to rip all the toilet paper, literally, to the last little piece off of them. It was pretty strange. Yeah. So he, yeah, he was weird. He also did. He owned an older car, um, but never, hardly ever used it. They said it was actually looked like it had never been moved. Um, it was a '97 Geo Prism. 
So they both graduated in uh, from Mercer Law School in May of 2011. Um, they lived next to each other for about three years. Yeah. You know. Um, <clears throat> she always told people that he she was nice to him and stuff. Well, she. Too. Well, they always, didn't people say like they thought like if anybody was going to be a serial killer, like it was that dude or some shit? Like, didn't they joke about it? Yeah, I mean, and she was he like, was oh, well, he's nice to me, so he, I'd be the last said, one yep. he'd kill. Yeah. Well, she said she was nice to him. and Yeah, um, they they shared a common stairwell, so you know they've seen each other yeah. a lot. They work out that way. He actually asked her out a few times, but she nicely refused. But right. then friends close friends she just said you know this guy's kind of creepy and you know but he she was never mean to him or you know and he she just had a boyfriend but even then she was like no that's not going to happen even after you know they they've known each other for three years um you know he realized that if he couldn't have her he he that's when his obsession began um and that led to some secretive and troubling behavior. Yeah, what he was wasn't he googling some some weird oh, shit? Oh yeah, he yeah. had all kinds yeah, of shit. Some of the stuff he was yeah, googling. some of the yeah. stuff he was googling was pretty. It's it was pretty like, <laughs> well, I know one of them because uh, Helena was telling me on our way over here. And, mm-hmm. um, it was how to delete your internet history. <laughs> well, and that's just the thing. <laughs> like, oops. <laughs> yeah, I should have started with that one. How to escape prison. <laughs> Well, he wanted yeah, to know how yeah. to escape prison. He also uh, said it was like acute. How do you strangle somebody unconscious and then be able to come back how from long, it? How long yeah, does it take yeah. How long does it I mean, take? Just, that, yeah. Because he wanted to obviously rape her and leave it at that, but it didn't turn out that yeah, way. Cause right. She pulled his mask off and begged him to wait, stop. Wait, wait, wait. You're getting. Were we to that? I mean, kind of. Head? Oh, okay. Kind of, sorta. I mean, we Getting know who excited did it. Right. We know who did yeah. it. Yeah. It's a, not a who done it. We know. But that's who what the evidence it. led to. It's yeah. like that's right. what he wanted to do. Good. It was a little more um, a month after graduation that she spent her uh, final afternoon poolside at Healy Point Country Club, and then around 5:48 p.m., she used her credit card to buy dinner at Saxby's drive-through on the way home. Ooh, that's a good place too. And I've never had it. It's pretty good. What is it? Kentucky. It's a chicken place. Um. After I mean, they even which is kind of I don't know. I always have you ever watched like on the internet where you see somebody's last moment of life? Like I know that there's this one murdered girl, which I would like to do one of our things on, but it's like her last picture, and the killer took the picture. Oh, I was like, what do you mean by that? For a second, I was like... Yeah, it was the last picture, the last minute of her life. I mean, but they seen her outstretched arm was captured on video. She reached um, for her order through the drive-thru window. So the police were tracking everything, you know, up to this point. Um, And that's after they found out that she was missing. But the thing is, her, you know... The, the last outside contact anyone had with Lauren was be, um, before she was attacked and murdered was in the early morning hours of Sunday, June, uh, June 26, 2011. No one, with the exception of her killer, would know that Lauren, you know, where she was for five days. But, she, you know, 
you wonder with all the friends that she had why they weren't worried but they figured she was studying for exam and it was nothing for her when she was studying and all that stuff to kind of well right. she was moving out too <clears throat> wasn't right. she wasn't she, she in was the process of moving out she was the in the process of moving yeah. out yeah yeah so, so like I mean, they everybody closer would have understood why she was, you know, secluded in her apartment right. and you know, unreachable for that moment. Um, and they didn't really, you know, she was studying and stuff like that. And I mean, I I'm sure being a law student, yeah, you had a lot of friggin' studying to yeah. do. Yeah. Um. So Thursday, June third, and this is when it starts getting really weird. Thursday, June thirtieth, two thousand eleven, around nine a.m. Make them police detectives um pulled their cars into the parking lot of the barristers hall which is where they lived to investigate a missing persons report um so somebody knew something was going on right um lauren hadn't been uh seen by her friends or her by her friends and family since the evening of june 25th five days prior um now when the cops pull and this is important later (laughs) When the cops pull in, they're not really paying attention, but, you know, they pull up in front of the garbage can, well, it's garbage day. All right? So, keep that in mind. Um, The cops uh, make their way from apartment to apartment. Um, Detective Scott Chapman eventually knocked on Stephen McDaniel's door. They spoke um, about his missing neighbor. And then a short time later, the lead detective, David Patterson, also interviewed McDaniel in a squad car. After Stephen was back in his own apartment, the detectives made a grim discovery. Around 9.40 a.m., a torso, soon to be identified as Lauren's torso, was found in one of the rollaway trash cans next to the apartment building. So what had happened was... Yeah, I was going to say, did they say how the body was found? What... I think a, a smell. Trash can. I think a smell. The a smell. Yeah, it was probably the smell. But what had yeah. happened was I'm he sure. knew he. It, it was summertime too, five right? Days, yeah, it was probably. And a black. Yeah, dude. Yeah, she. He had put in like three bag. black trash bags, but he in the apartment later they found the schedule for trash pickup. <clears throat> um, oh. And what had happened? The other trash in the area was packed and now that'll be important here in a little bit the rest of the trash was taken but when the the garbage man went by he couldn't get to it so he just smiled and waved at the cops and went on by so this dude's thinking oh i'm I'm in the good the trash is gone you know they're not going to find nothing so wow how crazy yeah yeah the fate in that (laughs) um so, uh, a short time later, Stephen McDaniel, still unaware of the discovery of Lauren's remains, was driven to the Macon Police uh, Department, where he gave a recorded statement to Detective um, Patterson. When Stephen was... And I'm sorry, I'm going to do my pet peeve. And this may be dumb. What? <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Stefan because of the way yeah. it's spelled. Yeah, with the E. It, it's the... Uh, the P-A-H. Oh, is, is that it, what messes with you? Is it now? Or is it Everybody, Steven? well, I, I've been calling call him Stefan until I watched, you know, some of the the video thing. And they're yeah. saying Stephen. So, oh, Stephen. It's Stephen. just the way it's I know. spelled. I, I'm, oh, 
Sorry, guys. That's my With, instead of having a V, I get that. So anyway, okay, that's my little pet peeve for the day. Um, pet peeves with Teresa Gableman. I know. <laughs> I have a few. <laughs> Not many, a few. Not as many as Ron. <laughs> He's just looking at me like, shut up. Um, so when Stephen was asked for consent to search his apartment along with other tenants of the eight-unit um, apartment building, he declined. Wonder why? Wait, hold on. What did all this happen before the the when the media talked to him? No, no, he don't know yet. He don't know yet. That's coming. Okay. Yeah, that's coming. Um, so he don't have a clue that you know he's he's still playing the game of I know nothing and she was such a nice person and all this shit. But uh, he made the excuse of why you didn't want him to search the apartment, which is really dumb. Because they're cops. Um, he made the excuse that he had several firearms in his apartment and didn't want anyone near them. As they spoke to... Uh, <laughs> I know, dude! That just, cops I'm like, say, what? Okay, that's cool, no yeah, whatever. Okay. And of course... Go hide them real quick for us. As they spoke to uh, Steven, And this suspicion. guy's a lawyer? I know. You made yeah, it through fucking law school? Well, no, he's not oh, a no, lawyer. No, yeah, you guys have no idea. School, I mean, I got the gist of it. He didn't take his test to become well, an wait, official was lawyer. this all happened before he actually went into the apartment with the cops and stuff? Yes. 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 This is the before okay, the interview. Yeah. Gotcha. Got it. So, We're following along. As they spoke to Steven, suspicion continued to grow in the minds of the detectives, and his entire afternoon was filled with interviews. The police continued to pressure Steven to allow them into his apartment for his search, and even told him that everybody else who lived in the building except for him was given, you know, giving them consent to search. So he finally gave in and allowed Detective Patterson to look in his apartment to search for the missing woman. And I'm I'm not laughing. I mean, it's it's terrible, but this guy's so dumb. Yeah. Um, he got really nervous mm-hmm. and started. He drank like ten bottles of water, like yeah. profusely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was like, you could you could tell. You, he was and obviously these trained out. detectives are looking at him like you're guilty as shit. Yeah, you know? of something. Like, we got our guy. We, know. <laughs> we got our guy. So look, there's the fucking hacksaw box right there, dude. Yeah. So at this point. Detective I mean, Pat. In his defense, being a lawyer, you think he would say, "No, you're going to need a search warrant." Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and then get rid of the not, shit. You're going to need a search warrant. Well, they the never said he finished, did they? Huh? They never said he finished law school, did they? He finished. He graduated. Law he, he did he, not he take gra- his bar exam. Yeah. Yeah. To become so, an official. Because lawyer I think and Lauren, and I may be mistaken on this, but I think Lauren was a week away from taking her test. Before she was killed. Yeah. Um, but at at this point, Detective Patterson asked Stephen to stand up and lift his shirt to check for any marks he might have on his body. There were two red scratches on the right side of his stomach um, that he couldn't account for. He didn't know where or when he received the scratches. You would think that he, he would have. He said something a- about him doing it doing in his sleep. sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on his face. Patterson, he mentioned to him, hey, that looks like fingernail marks. They were uh, photographed. And, uh, yeah. So. So, by now, by the time they get to the... Now, that that that's still in the police station that that happened. Now, they're going to his, his apartment. apartment. 
Um, it was now mid-afternoon on June 30th, about 1.30 p.m., and McDaniel was still unaware that the torso had been discovered. He assumed, wrongly, that the trash had been removed earlier that morning before the detectives had arrived. I mean, timing. That's friggin' timing. You know, for the cops to come By block and just as they're going by to pick up the trash. I know. Um, so, back at the... Uh, where am I at? Sorry, I lost my place. The um, apartment. Oh, they did the walkthrough. They noted that um, Stephen owned a samurai sword, several large knives, a semi-automatic rifle, and a pair of handguns. They were... Um, there was also a large cooler near the front door. Until now, Stephen was allowed to stay while they searched the apartment, but at some point, Stephen was asked to leave to allow them some room to conduct their business. That's when as Stephen headed toward uh, the Mercer Law School campus on the other side of the street. This is where he really screwed himself. A local news crew waved him over. Um, leading to one of the most bizarre news interviews you'll ever see. And guys, you have got to watch this on YouTube. Yeah. Because you will see what we're talking. And I've yeah. got, I've got the, what happens, but. Um, just to see the reaction. Just to, s- I mean, yeah. You got to see this guy, period. So. Yeah. 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 You gotta, yeah. yeah you got to kind of see this guy anyway. But, um. It was around 2 p.m. on the afternoon of June 30, 2011, when McDaniel told Michelle Casada, a reporter with Macon, uh, Macon's Fox affiliate WGXA-TV, that he would do an interview. As the interview began, Stephen was still unaware that more than four hours earlier, earlier Lawrence... Lauren Gideon's <laughs> man, we got all kinds of things beeping and bopping. I know. Notifications going. Everywhere. I know. We're keep busy it, people. Keep it rolling. <laughs> We're busy people. Just roll through them. But it was four hours earlier that they had discovered her torso, and he still didn't know it. Right. On camera, um, McDaniel looks. I mean, he looks crazy. Right. I'm sorry. He looks crazy. Um, his hair's a mess. He's presumably um he's upset because he's a friend of lauren's she's missing um, trying to do everything they to can to together. find her um his concern for her you know was of course an act but um said he should have gave her that gun he was going to give her a gun yeah yeah he was trying to make the scene the way he wanted it to be so here's the interview we'll go this is steven um and i don't this is just where you know i've got it from um he says no no one's seen her since saturday i haven't seen anything i always hear noise outside but there's people walking by pretty much um they say ask and she just recently graduated from mercer he says yes she and i we are both jd students we graduated back in may um she asked the reporter asked what kind of person was she i mean what did you speak about he replies i mean she's as nice as can be very personable very much a person of a people person um reporter do you know any enemies she might have had somebody that might want to hurt her he's like no we don't know where she is 
the only thing we can think of is maybe she went out running and someone snatched her. So now he's trying to say build the crime scene. Right, right, exactly. Build a case. Right. That he ain't involved in. And see, and I don't know, and I want to see if you guys heard anything about this, because this kind of threw me. Um, Because we went over, one of her friends had a key. We went inside and tried to see if there was anything amiss. (laughs) But she had a door jam that was sitting right by it. So there was no sign that anyone broke in. The door was locked when we got every when everyone got here. We just don't know where she is now. So basically, <clears throat> her friends did come there looking for her. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Uh, okay. Before the cops, he was actually in the apartment when her friends were in there looking. I so missed there, that. She kept a key and like a candle outside on her balcony, and okay. her friends knew that it was there, so they took the key. And he actually and went in with them. Well, yeah, he, he saw that they in. were. Yeah, he saw that they so were over there. How sick! There. So he was like, "Hey, what's going on? I haven't seen her in a while, you know." And they were like, "Okay, that's a way for him <laughs> to place himself." there that way if his dna is found or any of his hair is found there that can be his alibi for why he was in the place right Right. okay see i miss i did miss that because when i read that i was like what but anyway so here here comes the kicker so the reporter said what about the parking lot area i know they've been doing a lot of well i think that's where the they recovered the body or whatever they recovered from there and steven's face was you could just see his eyebrows both started like twitching yeah. and and all he said was body like you could just tell right then something yeah i mean without even knowing if you just didn't even know he was it and just his reaction to that you'd be like okay something's weird and the reporter said had you seen anything there um had you seen any anything that she repeats herself hey you seen anything there i mean we don't know if this is the same person you know what i mean and i think she's like kind of freaking out on his reaction too the way she's like talking to him like oh, holy shit i've been talking to the killer <laughs> no, the whole I'm fucking time right yeah. now <laughs> um and she said they took a body there they took out a body there earlier we don't know if it's the same person or not that's why we're trying to speak and ask people if they know who live there um, are you okay, sir? And Stephen, I mean, you could just see, and he kind of puts his hand on his head, and he's like, I think I need to sit down. And the reporter's like, okay. So he de- you watch him actually, they're still filming him the whole time. He's back is turned to the camera, he sits down for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he sits down for, uh, for a minute. He went really pale. Yeah. But he jumps back up, too. He jumps back up well, without yeah. being asked. Well, he, uh, he said um, he returns to the interview um, a few minutes later with some of the worst acting. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. I, You know, it's just like, dude, you deserve everything you get. You're just an asshole. But um, he starts saying, why would anyone do this? And... Um, Michelle, or the reporter, says, is there anything? And he said, no. She said, did you see anyone? Um, and he's and then he said, yes, I heard something. Maybe I could have helped. And that's new. You know, he said before he didn't hear anything. Yeah, he's just He said, I hear noises, frantic. but I didn't hear anything. 
and she's the reporter says okay don't worry do do you want to sit down for a second are you holding out any hope right now and he replies i hope but if they found it on the property somewhere so that made no sense well, didn't you scatter her body parts all over the place? Yeah, he he put the trash that got picked up, had her other body parts on, you know, mm-hmm. in he, the trash. He put her arms and her legs all in separate trash bags and scattered them throughout the campus, the law campus. Yes, so in the dumpsters. And her torso was the only thing that he left behind. And he put it in the trash can that was connected to the apartment building. And what did he do with the fingers? And he cut her fingers off, probably because of her clawing him. He cut and not her. wanting his DNA found on her. Yeah. Cut him off and flushed him down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, um, after the uh, the detectives, you know, after looking through Stephen's de- apartment in the afternoon and his unusual behavior, you think? On local television that evening, the detectives wanted Stephen brought in once again for questioning. Yeah, we need to talk to this um, now, yeah, <laughs> he might know a couple things. He was. But in- wait, they they found the master key. Yeah. To the entire apartment building, could get into any door, any any apartment that he wanted to with this key that he stole off of a maintenance man. They found a box for a brand new hatchet. No, hacksaw. Hacksaw. hacksaw yeah. Oh God, yeah. And then uh in the basement there was a bloody sheet in the laundry room and the hacksaw was in there as well. Yeah. There was women's underwear that were found to be to be Lauren's. Mm-hmm. And what else was it? There was one more thing. A bunch of condoms that he said yes. he stole from other people's rooms. So, so he like admitted to burglary. Yeah. He like yeah. told on himself yeah. right there. Oh, I stole these condoms like yeah. what the fuck dude fucking yeah. this guy's weird hey hey yep they found a, a hard drive oh yeah he put a uh i i heard too on that one video we were watching uh he hung a recorder on the telephone pole by yeah. her window so yeah. he could like record her mm-hmm. and shit yeah he was recording her for hours at yeah. a time dude well There's and then they found online with his oh yeah, yeah well then they the found same. a bunch of child porn on his flash drive too where he had a bunch of photos and videos of her saved on going in her room for quite some time she knew somebody had been she thought somebody broke in yeah because she could tell some stuff was out of place i guess and it was him the whole time so the the interrogation i didn't watch the whole interrogation because honestly it was him saying you know three uh yes no I don't know. Um, what I did enjoy was when the detectives really like slammed into him, like pretty much calling him a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> we know, you know, fess up. Um, so yeah, you could tell during the interview they were getting frustrated because they can't. They he was not going to give them a confession, and they were trying hard. Really, they didn't they were need one. Real hard. They didn't need. Well, one. he confessed to his own lawyer, and then. He His ended up writing ended up everything down. Him. Well, the thing... Okay, so... Yeah, that come. Yeah. Um, everything that... Like, during the interrogation, it was all monotone, robotic, and nothing like when he was talking to them he earlier was, in the day right. and on TV, you know. Um, so, because of the stolen condoms, 
and other things they actually they didn't have enough to arrest him for the murder but they had enough to arrest him for burglary which held him in the bibb county jail and child porn yeah yeah well they don't yeah well they had not they didn't know that yet they they didn't know that yet. It took them a minute to get the stuff because off they the had computer. to get a search warrant to go into now his into his apartment and collect okay. the knives, the guns. Um, uh, let's see, the master key Browse to the, the import. History. Yeah, um, a stolen flash drive that belonged to Lauren, which that's kind of crazy. Um, Oh, I there thought, was one, I thought it was full of photos and videos that he took himself from inside of her house. No, this is a stolen flash drive that belonged to Lauren, one that contained hundreds of her personal photos, a pair of panties with uh, her DNA, and that was found in his bedroom in the stock drawer, a large bloody sheet in the washing machine in the apartment complex laundry room, along with the hacksaw uh, with human flesh still attached. Yeah. So you know, you think that's you, that's a goner right there. Yeah. yeah. This guy was gonna um, be a lawyer. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, the blood on the saw tested and matched Lauren's DNA. Packaging for the hacksaw was found in his apartment. Duh. So. On by August second, two thousand eleven, they had discovered enough evidence to charge Stephen Mc. Daniel with the murder of Lauren Giddings. Um, he would remain behind bars for three years waiting for his trial. And also the, the um, I mean, they found tons of child pornography also. Uh, it was said to be some of the most vulgar and nastiest stuff that yeah. some have ever seen. Yeah. Too. Yeah. They said it was, it was really bad. Um, they wanted to know where he got it though. That's what it came down to, because right. they ended up... Nobody who dismembers somebody would ever get the chance of parole or anything in any other case. Right. He must have given names to get that parole option. Well, the, the prosecution was going for the death penalty, but that's when the computer and camera evidence was found by the FBI. The deleted stalking videos and the child porn. They were in late, um, they were in late discovery... It was these stock and videos and sexual photos of minors combined with other physical and circumstantial evidence against him that would force McDaniel, three years after the fact, to make the decision to plead guilty to murder of Lauren and accept the sentence of life in prison. Um, with possible parole. Well, he goes yeah. up for parole in 2041. <clears throat> so early in the case, detectives were given access to Stephen's internet browsing history and it revealed some... S- uh, disturbing patterns. On April 28, 2011, about two months before he killed Lauren, Stephen typed the Google search f- f- phrase, Nude Lauren Giddings. He also viewed Lauren's Twitter feed. Later, he did several back-to-back searches using variations of the word molest sleeping girl. The next day, he searched for the phrase, Choked unconscious, how long, wake up, Going back as far as May 1st, he searched for ways to escape prison. So he, I guess he already figured he was going to jail. He was going to get called because he's a dumbass. You start digging your tunnel, buddy. Um, throughout the months of May and June, his internet browser history showed a growing obsession with Lauren Giddings. Within the same time frame, he visited sites 
to search for nude photos of celebrities, advertisements for local escorts, dating sites, reading erotic fiction, and viewing pornography using the screen name SOL, which is stated um, stands for Son of Liberty. Or shit out of luck. He wrote graphic sexual posts online describing torture, violence towards women. Um, he also looked at guns and, and sex toys as well. On June 3rd, 2011, he was looking at Lauren's Amazon.com wish list. On June 7th, 2011, he was on a photo sharing website looking for Lauren Giddings account. The next day, June 8th, 2011, McDaniel looked at Lauren's LinkedIn networking page and looked at her Facebook page as well. None of these searches were illegal, of course, but they paint a dark picture, you know, of what he was doing. The other thing that I found out when I was watching something, he friggin' wrote a damn book. So he's an author. (laughs) I'm just like, dude. (laughs) About what? the, The the cop that read the there was a cop that actually read it and he, I guess he had to for evidence or whatever. He said it was a cross between Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Kind of like the a fantasy like kind of thing. Right. But uh Did yeah. some creepy dude kill somebody in it. He, they didn't say. No. They just said it was really a really weird. Well, um, I, I said it right off the bat this dude was a dork and yeah. weird off yeah so um a death penalty case can typically take between five to seven years to go to trial but the district attorney's office was willing to withdraw its request for the death penalty for faster closure because the trial could have dragged on for months as part of the plea deal prosecutors agreed to drop charges of sexual exploitation of children which that's kind of bullshit in my book and the burglary charges against Stephen. Those were filed as a result of the investigation, but unrelated to the murder anyway. Um, so, in return, they got exactly what they wanted. Stephen would be in prison for the rest of his life, and in order to remain out of court, he had to handwrite a confession detailing the last hours of Lauren Gidding's life and exactly how he disposed of her remains. Um, April... 2014, he wrote a one-page confession describing Lauren's final evening alive and how he later dismembered and disposed of her body. And it read, um, At 4.30 a.m. on Sunday, June 26, 2011, Stephen entered Lauren's apartment using his master key and he soundlessly defeated the burglar bar that she had propped against the door. He watched her sleep. As he approached the bed, a floorboard creaked and Lauren sat up alarmed. She saw the mask intruder and calmly said, get out. In his own words, McDaniel said, I leapt across the bed onto her and grabbed her around the throat. We tumbled out of bed onto the floor and in her struggle to get away, she moved her legs and lower body under the bed, preventing her from getting away or kicking me. The two continued to fight, and Lauren was eventually able to remove the mask from her attacker's face and recognized him immediately. Stephen, she said, please stop. But he didn't stop. He continued to choke her until she stopped moving, which he guessed was about 15 minutes later. Then he dragged her into the bathroom and left her body in the bathtub. After that, Stephen went back into his own 
apartment and spent the most of the afternoon on the computer. That evening, he returned to the apartment with a hacksaw and began to dismember her body in the bathtub. Her head, arms, and legs were removed, wrapped separately in several black trash bags, and then thrown into the Mercer Law School dumpster. The mask that Stephen had worn during the attack, as well as the gloves and the shirt, were cut up and flushed down the toilet, as well as her fingers and thumbs. I mean, that's just sick. This guy's a fucking loony bin. He cared so Lonely much for her. the chair. Um, just before dawn on Tuesday, June 28th, Stephen returned to Lauren's apartment to wrap her torso up in five black plastic garbage bags and then dumped it in the trash bin just outside their apartment building. Um, he attended a bar examination preparation class that same day and the next day, too. I mean, who does that? Who can friggin' do that? And then, oh, I'm going to go to class, you know. And leave all this evidence behind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like... Um, then on the night of Wednesday, June 29th, Stephen joined a group of Lauren's friends and classmates in search of her, um, knowing full well that he had killed her. But he later said that it was it, he was in a dreamlike delusional state where he believed Giddings was not dead. Bullshit. Then on Thursday, June 30th, Stephen searched for ways to ease his brow or to erase his browsing history. Um just a short time before Lauren's torso was discovered. I mean, once on the internet, always on the internet. Yeah. You can't, you can delete your browsing history, but if the feds or whoever want to get in there, they're going to get in there. Oh, yeah. And that scares the living shit out of me. Because <laughs> I have browsed, being an author, I have browsed some crazy stuff. So, I'm an author. I didn't do any of the stuff that I look at. Missing. Just don't ever, <laughs> yeah, no. <sighs> oh, shit. I know. Well, they can just see. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't do it. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he was convicted on April 21st, 2014, nearly three years after her murder. He was housed at the prison in Bucks County, Georgia. Um, the earliest Stephen can be eligible to request parole is the year 2041 and he'll be 56 years old but given the calculated and brutal nature of his crime hopefully he'll never get released now this was crazy his father set up a GoFundMe page and it was immediately taken down. I mean, it didn't even gain one cent. And um, he said, his father said, Stephen has been separated from his family for the past seven years. Boo friggin' who. Um, that's what the campaign read on the thing. He lost three grandparents and was deprived the privilege of seeing and being a part of his brother and sister's lives. I mean, the guy killed this chick, you know? So why should he be able to go and, and do things? I can only imagine. I can't imagine what it would be like to be the parent of I, somebody, though. But you know yeah, what? Don't blast it, though. Okay, I am going to blast it because I'm sorry. No, I don't. I mean, don't blast on social media. Oh, I thought you meant don't no. blast the father because I'm like, dude, I love my kid, right? But you go out and you do something that terrible. 
I'm not setting up a GoFundMe page for no, it. No, sorry. Right. I wouldn't do something like that either. Yeah, but it's just like I can only your, imagine yeah, how hard like, that would be. Right. Might send some cigs. Might send, <laughs> I'll send some cigs. Some, <laughs> <laughs> some chips. <laughs> something like that. Pack of cheese just to be mean. I don't know. It was pretty, but. Um, so, to, to beat it all, um, Stephen decides that he's going to be his end lawyer. He isn't. <laughs> I mean, he did go to law school. He right? did yeah. go to law school. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you got plenty of time to fucking study. This will be the only study. time he's able to use it. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he came out with like, like giant boxes of paperwork. I did see that. Like yeah, some yeah. several boxes, he had dude. A table full of stacks of paperwork and shit. about his about his I case. Mean, yeah. You know how could you And like everybody that was like, testifying was like, "Dude, shut up! You killed her!" Like. Like I don't, you're you're wasting everybody's he, time. He removed his like, client attorney privilege too, so the lawyer that he had was able to say whatever he wanted about what he told yeah. him in confidence. Well, that was a mistake. He was trying to get a new trial, right? So he was trying to blast his lawyers, saying they didn't do right. You know, whatever he said, something about the prosecution or the district attorney spying on his lawyers i don't know all kind of, but everything he did the the judge shot him down yeah and then got on him for running up the clock because you know they said a lot of times he just seemed so out of it and was just saying these repeating these questions over and over um but the the thing that really got everybody was when his lawyer got up there and he said Stephen, up until the last couple of weeks of your case um buford began I was strongly in your corner, believing you were innocent. I felt that you were innocent. But this evidence that came in, that was very important. And then his lawyer went this, you know, into graphic detail, um, jailhouse confessions that McDaniel gave to him and co-counsel Franklin Hogue. Um, he said we were shocked about it um, because he went in such detail. Like, yeah. his lawyers are you know and uh about how he killed her um how you went about decapitating her and carving up her body how you even sat down and cut off every finger and bone and appendage in her hand and threw them in the toilet and flushed it all at one time um he said you know with everything they found on his computer the child pornography um sex with dead people you know, uh, he pretty much said that we pretty much sick, you're sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not yeah. getting out <laughs> yeah. is what yeah. he said. You're not yeah. getting out. Doesn't matter how many haircuts you get. I mean Yeah, he got his haircut. <laughs> yeah. And he he showed no emotion as the his former lawyer was sitting there saying all that. He showed no emotion. But if you when you if you do go on youtube and you watch um some of this stuff he's probably sitting there thinking like man i really don't understand this law shit <laughs> i should have paid attention in school instead a of geologist being weird shit on the computer but yeah it, you know it's it's really sad because it's one of those things and i mean it's like that cop said he said, I seriously think we had a serial killer in the making. And well, we I, called him. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of, in a way, kind of disagree with that in a way. Just because I felt like 
I think he was just going in there to rape her, and it, everything went wrong. I agree. Because he didn't have his plan. Right. I mean, he, he screwed up a lot of Because he, he did so much enough. small detail stuff. I'm not sure... You know. To make sure and do everything he could to like successfully rape her, I don't think. I mean, but the hacksaw too, man. Why I don't did you know. have a brand new hacksaw? I don't know. I I honestly, had to, I, I had to run to the store to get that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he mean, put her in the tub and came back later that back. night. I mean, I think he, you know, because he was. It's pretty. He wanted her to wake up. He wanted her to wake up and not know that know? it was him. Right. I, I kind I of agree like with that. that I, don't, I don't know if he if he went in with the mind. This is just just my opinion, you know. It's just right. what I think from like the evidence leading up to it. Yeah. And when you plan something like that, you know, you think you'd cover up your tracks better than just put the dumpster, put bodies in the dumpster <laughs> by your house. Right. Yeah. You and know? he clearly didn't know, know where to put he, the murder that weapon. Or he was just a dumb. Crumb, or the ho- the hacksaw. You know, just dumb, but. And it's, you know, it is kind of scary because, you know, when you just talk to somebody that, especially being a waitress. Yeah. And you talk to so many different people. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, mean, she didn't realize. I mean, I think she noticed, like, funny different things, you know, feeling watched or whatever. I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've had customers find me on Facebook. I still, to this day, have customers find me on Facebook and they'll write me and stuff. Yeah, it's like, nah. No, based they do. on that, that's weird. Yeah. Who? Uh-oh, Cody's about ready to kick ass. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, obviously. <laughs> I'm not going to be calling anybody out on the podcast. Oh, shit. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that or not. I think it was premeditated for sure. Whether he just had all that stuff just in case. But most of the time when somebody... He was a stalker. He... He was obsessed. Yeah. And I don't think it just came down to sex. I think he was so obsessed with her. Yeah. That it just... He didn't want anybody to have her if he couldn't. I mean, even going and... I want to know how he hacked her body up and, like, didn't have a fucking mess everywhere. Well, he did. Okay. I mean, you would think that would be messy. I mean, when you, like, see it in the movie or whatever. Well, they did. What is that called? Uh, The black light. Well, yeah, the chemical or whatever. And they said there was absolutely everywhere. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So it was everywhere. They found it. Like, what about his DNA? Did they find his DNA? Well, do you remember? Obviously. Yeah. They that did. They his, found his hair. That was and his excuse, but I remember the cops saying, like, let's talk about the cops for a minute, because that was, I mean, I did watch the, pretty much the whole interrogation. Yeah, I did. Yeah, me and too. those guys were terrible. Yeah. They were getting so frustrated because they couldn't get nothing out of him. They tried bullying him. Yeah. They tried being nice to him. And like you said, he only said three words. You know? yeah, they were talking yes, about no, why, no, why haven't you no. washed your clothes and all this, like, just being... But like, that's, how's that going to get anything yeah, out of this guy? Yeah. Yeah, they were just... I mean, I realized they were trying to get him to open up and that, but you could tell from their interview skills that they were getting frustrated and they were getting tired of, uh, you know, just him not saying anything. Did, yeah. did you actually... Did they actually say if they found other... I never found Well, that. what they told him was, we found blood in your apartment. And he knew... And, and his, he knew it would have been in hers, not his. Right, because she was never in his apartment. Right. So they screwed up there, 
and and then they because he said, thought oh they don't got they me. said his hair was inside the uh her apartment but he knew that he had been in there previously and so had witnesses that was kind of a way he could cover that part of it did they ever find her other body parts that's they, I, I don't think that i couldn't said. that i couldn't find i didn't I see that either that. um no. hopefully they recovered that with, with the interrogation was like how he was giving them the evil eye man yeah he was pretty yeah, creepy staring them down and and they were like putting their hands on him and shit trying to like i don't know know. it was it was demonic like we're in control here not you but they were and even the one guy backed up the one uh because he didn't lock he backed up like when he was wasn't he kind of puny though didn't he look kind of puny who steven yeah yeah he was he was his facial features and stuff though like when somebody's just like this like no matter what you say not blinking and stuff it's kind of like what face and the way he was like the slowly moving in his eye when he was looking at him you know it was like well they said that our guy (laughs) they said in the in jail he's always in the infirmary is that how you say that yeah he's always saying yeah when he's hurt yeah yeah (laughs) little pussy i'm i'm sure he's being abused a little bit yeah he's having a rough way to go oh yeah bummer i'm sure he is i don't know i just those kind of cases i mean this this poor girl she's just trying to do her best in life and doing really good and had had a great life yeah because you gotta think about her parents yeah you know what i mean yeah well her i know her her sister her her dog her her sister oh man her dog i know at least the dog wasn't there. Yeah, at least the dog wasn't. I know for her that. sister has been a big part of, you know, it's like with the GoFundMe page. She's one of the reasons it got shut down. Um, I'm sure when he is eligible for parole, um, they're gonna shut that shit down. I'm sure they will. Uh, if they let somebody like that, that dude they might not make it to 58 years old. From being you, a, knowing that you'll never get out. Unless they you know put I mean? him in lockdown, in Georgia. Georgia. <clears throat> well, he well, might not. He was in New York, or maybe California. New York. <laughs> He'd probably be set free tomorrow. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> well, he 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 might not even make it to fifty-eight years old. Being no, being he a child not. porn. He is kind of gaunt. He I did mean, look pale, and they might have him gone. on like one-on-one or like one one-on-one lockdown or some shit. He'll probably be in like well, solitaire. Oh, oh, oops. I I do, <laughs> oh, I, hey, is I that... I do, I feel... Is that Steven out there in the yard? Oh, shit. You know, I, I Somebody feel... go get him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, oh, is that the Crips? Oh, oh shit. Oh, shit. Oops. <laughs> 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 oh, the door's open. You get him. No, you get him. Oh, oh. Damn. <laughs> he was up for parole next year. Oh, oh man. I do feel sorry for his family. I mean, his mom and dad were in the court, and you know, yeah, I mean, they, bless I, their, but I mean, fuck. You know, your son's a a murdering douchebag. Dip, wait, so dill seed. Dill store, so he can go to the store, get some dillweed. He needs some commissary. Yeah, he needs some change for the printer, so he can keep printing out his t- <laughs> lawyer documents. <laughs> <laughs> Always, oh, yeah, I don't know. For but anyway, retrial. there you go. That was the case of 
the next door stalker. Rest her soul. Rest Lauren's soul. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But hopefully we are going to do our best to do two episodes a month. Um, I know we said we would do every Wednesday. Well, that guy that does our... No, I'm just kidding. Our intro says that. every. I know, but we told him to say that. I know. So it's not his fault. He's him, awesome. We're going to tell him to make it but well, we, we'll probably be back to it. Like, when right winter now, hits and stuff. doing stuff. And, right. Yeah. You know, working in the garden. And, yeah, I have a book out. You know. And Cody's motocrossing. And Helena's <laughs> back to work. Yeah. And Ron's gardening and whittling. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm working, too. And you're working. <laughs> I, it's good. And everybody else is... Hopefully you guys are back to work and healthy and and if you guys been following the channel we appreciate it yeah thank you guys really appreciate your support and people yeah sharing and posting in the comments and everything so you know keep Keep it coming find us on facebook post some ideas because we're always down for a deranged yeah Yeah, well i just went subject and i made up a list of like i got 19 different wackos we can cover (laughs) so um Many more to find, I'm sure. Schedule on who who we want to look at. Yeah, the next one's kind of creepy. So. Oh, you got one for next. Yeah, I got I got a really creepy doctor. Uh oh. Sweet. Well. All right. Deranged nation, nation, nation. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Deranged Nation podcast. Join us every Wednesday night for a new episode as we bring you true crime, unsolved mysteries, and other deranged stories. This episode was sponsored by Braps MX and ATV Pro Shop. Visit them at BrapsMX.pro. Also, visit our host, TeresaGableman.com, New York Times bestselling paranormal romance author of the Protectors series, available on Amazon.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.